to North Idaho Now. This is episode 168 for September 23rd. Chance Watson bring you the news today. This episode is brought to you by Hecla Mining Company. Hecla Mining Company is a leading low-cost silver producer with operating silver mines in Alaska, Idaho, and Mexico, and is a growing gold producer with operating mines in Quebec, Canada, and Nevada. They're the largest primary silver producer in the U.S. responsible for one-third of the silver produced in our nation. Their philosophy is to operate mines safely by promoting a deeply rooted value-based culture, leveraging mining skills delved over the company's long history, and by innovating new practices. To learn more about Hecla Mining Company, please visit heclamining.com. Welcome back to the show, everybody. we got a good one for you today. Lots of great headlines coming out of North Idaho. Before we get into it, though, I should probably talk about the, the biggest bit of news that's going on in the world right now, and that's uh, that Taylor Swift will be performing at the Super Bowl. Uh, probably the biggest news of, you know, the last few months, honestly. <laughs> just just kidding. Uh, I am not uh, the biggest. I don't mind Taylor Swift at all. Not a problem. There's nothing wrong there. I, I wouldn't say that I'm a... What would be the, the Taylor Swift version? Oh, oh Taylor Swift fans are going to just pile on me right now. Um what would be the like a believer would be like a Justin Bieber fan? What's a, What's a Taylor Swift fan? I don't know what the equivalent would be. Somebody, 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 write in and get back to me on that. Um, but yeah, that's uh, Taylor Swift will be at the halftime show. I can't really remember the last Super Bowl that I watched. Um, I think I got a glimpse of the one that the L.A. Rams were in. Oh uh, boy, that was a few years ago too, two or three years ago, something like that. So it's been a little while since I've I've watched the Super Bowl, let alone the halftime show. Uh, doesn't really affect my life much, but you know what? If there if there was a sporting event that does occur once a year that rakes in both hardcore and casual sports fans, you could make an argument that it's the Super Bowl. A lot of people use it uh, for an excuse to get the family together, get some friends together, get some drinks flowing, watch some cool commercials, um, just just all overall have a good time. So you know what? More power to you. And uh, hopefully, hopefully the it seems like every year we always have arguments on. Oh, was the halftime show good? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm sure Taylor Swift's gonna blow it out of the water. I'm sure she's gonna I'm sure she's gonna do just fine, even though she's not a country singer anymore. And you know what, depending on who you talk to, probably never really was. Uh, in other news, uh, folks, I, I really, I mentioned it in the last episode, but I gotta, I can't stress how awesome this Hulu show is called Reboot. Um, been going, been plugging through the episodes a little bit here and there. Um, I think there's three or four that are currently on. Uh, the cast is just great. The jokes are right on. It is, it is a, it is a fantastic show. It really is great. Um, I can't get enough of it. I'm, I'm really waiting until I, I just can't wait until new episodes come out. Um, speaking of new episodes, uh, I think I've been I've been the victim of heavy targeted marketing recently. Uh, Andor, uh, that new Star Wars show that kind of no one asked for uh, of the spinoff character uh, that was introduced in the movie Rogue One, which look Rogue One of all the star of all the new Star Wars films, Rogue One's. It's right up there. Like it's it's pretty good. In fact, I would even make an argument that it might be better than one, two, maybe definitely one of the prequels. Um, it's it's right up there. Rogue One was good. So uh, Andor is coming out soon. I'm I'm interested to watch that. Um, big fan of all the Star Wars stuff for the most part, except for the new movies. But we don't need to we don't need to tear into that again. That's that's an old uh, that's an old discussion on the show for for probably a different show. 
Hope you guys have uh, fun things planned for the weekend. Uh, I myself am going to go to uh, it'll be a fun but uh, sad kind of time. One of my favorite businesses out in out in the Silver Valley is going out of business, so I'm going to swing by and say hi to them before they they shut the doors for good. Um, yeah, I know the owner there. She's she's a great gal, and uh, and hope uh, hope things go well in future endeavors. I know there's a lot of fall themed stuff coming up on the radar as we as we go through September and into October. Uh, getting I'm already getting invites for Halloween parties. Boy oh boy, it's, it seems like that's right around the corner now, isn't it? Seems like my feed is just inundated with Halloween stuff, pumpkin spice themed stuff. Oktoberfest stuff, and football, I guess, you know, it's, as uh, even though I'm a big hockey fan, uh, football season is here. I think we're going into week three now. Uh, I am, I would definitely not say that I'm a diehard football fan. I don't follow it closely enough, but uh, my, my late grandfather was an ardent Chicago fan, so go Bears, you know, go to Bears. Um, hoping that they, <laughs> hoping that they could do something. I couldn't tell you a single player on the team, but go Bears. I guess the last thing that I wanted to uh, bring up before we jump into the headlines, uh, I'm going to talk to, got some interviews coming in next week. Uh, we're going to have uh, some returning guests. We've got uh, Megan Johns with ITD coming in, giving us another North Idaho traffic update. I know you guys appreciate that. So maybe you can help your guys' commute uh, to and from work, or you're going on a trip, or you're just going shopping. Uh, need to know where all the traffic jams are going to be, where all the construction is. Uh, it seems like maybe the construction is going to get a little less as we get into the colder months, but uh, we'll leave that to Megan to uh, to bring up on the show. We've also got returning guests from Idaho Fish and Game, TJ Ross. TJ is going to come back on and start talking about, you guessed it, big game season. Uh, we're coming up down that here in North Idaho, the, the holiest of holy times for many here. In uh, in the north North Idaho backwoods, big game season coming up right around the corner. Uh, we're gonna have them come in with Idaho Fishing Game and chat a little chat a little about the upcoming season with us. All right, without further ado, let's jump into some local news. Home of the lowest prices in all things outdoors since 1975, Black Sheep Sporting Goods is your one-stop shop for all your camping, fishing, hunting, and clothing needs. Open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Sundays from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Check out Black Sheep's new location in the Silver Lake Mall. Black Sheep Sporting Goods, celebrating 45 years as your favorite sporting goods store. Takes in two. Coeur Post Falls Press headlines for Wednesday, September 21st. Headline, Private Appraisal Company OK'd. This by Bill Bealey. Kootenai County Commission has approved a request Tuesday from Assessor Bella Kovacs to use a private company to conduct property appraisals and assist with training personnel. The commissioners voted 2-1 to one on the request during a regular business meeting. The estimated cost of the work and services to be performed by Highland Appraisal, Inc. under the proposed agreement is $260,000, plus other expenses for travel, lodging, meals, mileage, and materials. Kovacs said there are about 1,600 new construction sites that will need to be appraised. Quote, as soon as the board signs the contract, we should be good to go, Kovacs said after the meeting. He said the need to use Highland is due to staff vacancies, as well as computer technology issues. His office was down five residential appraisers and recently hired three, but they will need to be trained. Commissioner Bill Brooks cast the dissenting vote. Quote, I'm tired of covering up or handing Bella a band-aid. Brooks said later in his interview. He said Kovacs hasn't been getting the job done. Quote, now he wants us to hire somebody to do his job. The answer is no, no, and hell no, Brooks said. 
Commissioner Leslie Duncan questioned the costs involved in hiring Highland Appraisal Services, as well as hiring and training new staff. She noted the estimated quarter of a million dollars alone for Highland's work, plus other expenses. Duncan said whether expenditures with Highland Appraisal hit $200,000, she would like Kovacs to check back in with the commissioners and provide an update on their work. He said Highland is among the best in the state and has the training, skills, technology, and tools to operate effectively and efficiently. They plan to use Highland on a temporary basis. Kovacs' pay was recently cut in half from about $90,000 to $45,000 by the commissioners, who cited a failure to perform the duties of his office. He was appointed to his office in May of 2020 after the death of Assessor Richard Hauser. He won the Republican primary election for the office in May. He said the Assessor's office use of Highland is part of a recovery plan. The first phase includes filling vacant positions, which is underway, and training staff in latest practices. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm going to refrain from having some hard comments on this because I don't necessarily know too much about it. But uh, yeah, we did just recently, we, they, just recently cut uh, this person's pay by half because they weren't doing their job. And now we're, I, you know, if this person can't do the job, then I guess the only thing to make sense is to farm it out. But that's just very unfortunate that we don't have somebody in that role that can, can handle the responsibility. So uh, maybe I, I do see both sides of this. Shocking, I know. That sound, doesn't sound like me at all. Moving on, new leaders, old allies. This by Devin Weeks. Countless students have done it. Spend two years at North Idaho College, rack up credits, earn an associate's degree, and transfer to the University of Idaho, Coeur d'Alene, for a four-year degree, all without leaving the comfort of home in North Idaho. Uh, I did something very similar. The two new leaders of these institutions aim to preserve these affordable paths to higher education for local students while fortifying an already positive working relationship between the schools. Quote, I love community colleges. I really do. I love NIC and the role it plays and the opportunity it presents, said University of Idaho Coeur d'Alene CEO Andrew Fields. Quote, I see us hand in hand. Anything we can do to support NIC is huge. We want to provide the pathways for students to into NIC and out of NIC and to U of I, just as many pathways as possible. Fields became CEO of the local University of Idaho office August 17th. He holds a doctorate in educational administration and leadership, an MBA with a focus on executive leadership and a master's degree in adventure-based management and outdoor leadership. He also has a bachelor's in environmental recreation, an associate's degree in liberal studies, and a welding technology certificate. He came to Idaho from Shasta College in Northern California, where he oversaw instruction, student services, and administrative operations across three campuses as the college's dean of extended education. Shasta is where he earned his welder certificate. Well, on top of everything, he's also a welder. Congratulations. NIC President Nick Swain took his new role on August 1st. He came to NIC after serving as the Executive Director of For Virginia, a partnership between eight Virginia universities. He served in several national and international leadership roles as an officer in the U.S. Army. Swain was raised in the Moscow area, graduated from Moscow High School, and earned his bachelor's degree from the University of Idaho. Go Vandals! He earned a master's degree in public administration from Northeastern University and a doctorate in post-secondary strat- strategic leadership from James Madison University. Fields and Swain shared the spotlight Tuesday during the Post Falls Chamber of Commerce's Connect for Lunch event in the Red Lion Templins on, on the River. They spoke on their own educational experiences, their first impressions of North Idaho, and their visions for student success. Fields said the close proximity and relationship between the schools is part of what drew him to the position with the U of I. Quote, 
I'm a big fan of what NIC has been doing for the students and what they will continue to do, he said. Swain emphasized the value NIC provides to students in the community. Quote, my tagline is, smart people go to NIC, he said. You can save those dollars. You can work part-time. I want students to transfer to U of I and take that money with them to go finish their degree. It's a great partnership. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, as somebody who got a two-year from NIC, got a four-year from U of I uh, seamlessly without taking a single student loan, uh, I can definitely say from experience that this is definitely a great partnership between the two schools, and uh, I hope it continues because other people should experience that uh, as well. Initial success or total failure? Mad Bomber Brewing Company, located at 9265 North Government Way in Hayden, Idaho, is a veteran-owned and operated business that has been serving North Idaho since 2013. Swing by the brewery to see the new taproom renovations and try the freshly tapped Oktoberfest. This ale features Munich malt and English yeast, giving it a slightly sweet, earthy finish. Speaking of Oktoberfest, check out the Bomber's Oktoberfest party on October 15th. Check out the Pressed Sandwich and Waffle Food Trailer, 208 Press, on Open Mic Night Wednesdays and football fans don't miss out on Sunday potlucks. Come on down and watch the game, enjoy some food, and roll some dice for each touchdown scored for a chance to win free beer. Mad Bomber Brewing also offers a wide selection of ciders for those who may not want beer. Located near Triple Play, come by and mention the podcast when you order to receive $1 off your first beer. Mad Bomber Brewing, recklessly brewed in Hayden, Idaho. Takes into Thursday, September 22nd headlines. Headline Mayor's Pan Impact Fee Proposal. This is by Bill Bewley. Acuna County proposal for cities to collect impact fees to fund improvements to the jail, sheriff's office, and parks and waterways received a mostly skeptical reception from local mayors Wednesday. Quote, where does this end? Asked Rathrum Mayor Vic Holmes during the meeting of mayors with, co- with county officials. Quote, do we keep adding and adding and adding until no one can afford to live here? Athel Mayor Bill, Bill Hill, Bill Hill, said, "Well, Athel is a small town. It's reached its significant. Collecting impact fees would affect many around it. Quote: When we make a decision, it is for a larger area than our city limits." He said. Mayors of Post Falls, Rathrum, Athel, Hayden, and Dalton Gardens, and an attorney representing Harrison and Hutter heard the latest on a draft plan. Quote: Paying for growth in Kootenai County. The meeting was led by Ann Westcott, a partner with Galena Consulting based in Boise, hired by the county. The impact fees, which would likely be collected for 10 years, would pay for $12 million for KCSO expansion and additions of weapons, radios, and vehicles for deputies, $13.8 million for the jail expansion, vehicle and equipment additions, and $13.3 million for parks and waterways. It's projected, it's projected that the total impact fees on each new building permit would be around $1,600. Westcott said the proposal eases the burden on existing property owners and puts it on new growth to fund services and facilities to keep up with the growth. The plan projects Kootenai County's population to reach 251,999 by 2032. Commissioner Leslie Duncan said the proposal was in response to citizens who said the county should be collecting impact fees to fund future needs. Quote, so we started down this path, she said. Duncan said she knows there will be differences, but she hopes they can reach an agreement. Mayor Holmes had doubts. He said that the impact fees would not help with the cost of housing and could, quote, make it impossible for existing residents, their children, to purchase property in the town. Mayor Ron Jacobson pointed out Post Falls has its own police force. He said he could not support impact fees on new construction in the city to fund equipment and vehicles for the sheriff's office. There were some heated exchanges. Emily Smith, city attorney for Rathrum, questioned the connection between the impact fees on new growth to pay for expansion of the jail and sheriff's office. Quote, 
Correlation is sufficient, said P Patrick Braden, deputy prosecuting attorney. If you have to prove ca causation, there would be no impact fees, he said. Duncan with said without new impact fees, existing taxpayers could have to foot the bill. Boy, that's uh, definitely off my radar. I am not going to even try to say that I 100% understand that. Um, yeah, I, I just I, I do know that those facilities that were mentioned that do need the repairs, the jail does need to be expanded, the sheriff's office, all that stuff. That does make sense. But uh, yeah, uh, this is North Idaho. We don't like higher taxes. And uh, the housing situation is pretty difficult around here. So yeah, I, uh, I, I, once again, I see all sides. Moving on, Highway 53 widening project underway. Orange barrels and signs are up and trees are coming down along State Highway 53 between Rathroom and the Washington State Line. Several projects are underway to add a center turn lane to a two-mile stretch of the highway. The first of this work begins in late August. Work will continue for two years and will focus on the two miles starting near McGuire Road and continuing through Bruss Road. Additional safety improvements will be made at the Hauser Lake Road intersection. Two lanes will be open throughout construction. Speed limits have been reduced. Right turn lanes and lighting will be installed at the intersections of McGuire Road, North Church Road, Bruss Road, and Hauser Lake Road. An acceleration lane at Clover Leaf Road will help, help drivers get up to speed as they merge into eastbound traffic. ITD crews will add temporary pavement to the south to maintain traffic as they build the base from the expanded road on the north side of the highway this year. Other similar projects are scheduled near Rathrum in 2023 and State Line in 2027. A nighttime maintenance project this month will resurface patches within the first two miles near the State Line to keep it in acceptable conditions until the 2027 project. Since this project overlaps with future plans to build an interchange at Pleasant View Road in 2028, minimal improvements will be constructed near the intersections of Pleasant View Road and Hauser Lake Road at this time, ITD reported. The department plans to fund a project at the next opportunity to build similar improvements to the four miles between Bruss Road and Latos Street. Visit 511.idaho.gov to check out live traffic conditions. As we mentioned before, we will have Megan Johns on the show. Talk a little more about uh, the construction going on here in North Idaho. Moving on, Friday, September 23rd headlines, Post Falls buys land for future use. This is by Devin Weeks. The Post Falls City Council on Tuesday unanimously voted to buy a $990,000, 14.5-acre undeveloped parcel on the west side of town to be used for a future park and public works facility. The property would be used by the Post Falls Parks and Recreation Department and the Public Works Department. The Parks Department will pay for and use 33% of the site. Public Works will pay for and use 67% of the property. Quote, it fits our development time frame, Public Works Director John Beecham said during the meeting. Quote, the price is right today because there is no road or utilities there, so that fits in our land purchasing budget. He said the use of impact fees to buy this parcel will allow a developer to build a park or for impact fees to pay for the park if and when development reaches that property. It is located near Pleasant View Road between Pole Line and Grange Avenues. All the city's public works facilities, with the exception of crew members, are currently housed at the Water Reclamation Facility at 2002 West Celtis Way, including the Water Shop, Fleet Services that maintain city vehicles, and the street divisions. Through the years, the Celtis Way fi facility has expanded and it's presently under construction to add tertiary treatment, ditches, and clarifiers, soon to be encroaching on the street and fleet space. Quote, we're moving across that facility, Beecham said. We've only we've been on borrowed time with streets and fleets ever since that was relocated there. Beach streets and fleets. 
Beecham said construction of the public works facility on the newly purchased parcel would not take place for another one or two decades. Uh, one or two decades? Psh, not going to worry about that right now. Come on. <laughs> Thankfully, there are people who uh, look for look look for that forward into the future. What is your relationship status with your bank? It's time to go steady with Bank CDA. You want local, you want flexible, you want Bank CDA. To learn more, please visit bankcda.com. Takes into Bonner County Daily B headlines for Thursday, September 22nd. Commission OK's comp plan updates. This is by Daniel Radford. The Planning Commission met Tuesday evening to discuss and recommend updates to the county's comprehensive plan. Before recommending the revisions to the comp plan's goals, objectives, and policies, the commission heard from Jason Johnson. Jason Johnson? We got some great names. That's, uh, that might be a, a superhero, like a, a, not an alter ego. Alter ego would be the superhero, kind of like a Superman. Jason Johnson definitely is like the normal name of somebody, and then Jason Johnson is a hu- superhero at night. Uh <laughs> If anybody knows that Stanley, he always it's you know everybody Peter Parker something like that, everybody so he could remember those he everybody kind of rolls off the tongue with that. So uh, Jason Johnson, a staff planner who specializes in floodway development policy and vigilante justice at night. Uh, Johnson recommended against prohibiting development in a floodway. He cited previous properties that could not be improved upon without an amendment for an exception since a prohibition on development would include improvement to an already existing property in those areas. This was the only change made to the goals, objectives, and policies after the last meeting on September 6th. Following this change, the commission voted to recommend these latest revisions to the Bonner County Commissioners. Abstaining was Wayne Brenner. Brenner said he disliked the process of the revisions, saying that he has been, quote, involved in four of these, and this is the only one that is doing it this way. Interesting. According to Brent Benner, prior updates to the comp plan begin with the comp plan proper and revised goals, objectives, and policies last. Benner said that this is car- that the cart has been put before the horse. The other commissioners voted in favor, recommending the proposal to the board six to one. The rest of the meeting was spent discussing how to tentatively plan the revisions to the chapters of the comprehensive plan. The commissioners volunteered in March to address specific goals, objectives, and policies of the comprehensive plan, and will continue with the same assigned chapters for the revision of the entire comp plan. All commissioners will revise the land use and implementation chapters. The tentative deadline for the amendments to the comp plan is in January. The commission expressed repeatedly that this was just a tentative schedule that will have to have that will be flexible with regards to meeting length and public participation. The planning commission's next meeting will be October 4th at 4:30 p.m. at the county and administrative building at 1500 US2 in Sandpoint. Comp plans, very important stuff. Can't wait to go to that October 4th meeting. I'm definitely going to be there, 100%. You don't look for me, but uh, yeah, definitely planning on be there. Plea deal reached in battery cases by Daniel Radford. A Sandpoint man accepted a plea agreement Monday in connection to a battery charge. Daniel Joseph Romero, 32, had been set to face a felony charge of battery for domestic violence inflicting traumatic injury. He had entered a not guilty plea this June for this charge. Last week, the jury trial was vacated and a change of plea hearing was scheduled. Romero accepted a plea deal in which he agreed to plead guilty to a misdemeanor battery charge of domestic violence without inflicting traumatic injury. In return, the first charge was dropped. The former charge carried a potential $10,000 fine and a 10-year prison sentence. Instead, 
Instead, Romero faces up to a $1,000 fine and six months in county jail. The charge stems from an event on May 30th of this year. According to court documents, Romero's neighbor called the police after they allegedly saw Romero drag somebody by their hair across the street. According to court documents, it was alleged that Romero grabbed the victim by the chin or mouth. After that, the victim said they did not want to fight that night. According to the affidavit of probable cause, the pair stepped outside to smoke a cigarette and decided to cross the street. But, according to the victim, as soon as they crossed the street to start their cigarette, the situation changed. At that point, the report says Romero instantly turned. He turned like a werewolf? Like, like that's how this says in the, quote, instantly turned. Like, I, it must have been a full moon or something. It was at this moment that Romero is alleged to have grabbed the victim by the hair and to have dragged the individual across the street. According to court documents, both were intoxicated. Romero told officers he had not consumed much alcohol before blowing a .321 BAC on a responding officer's lifelock breathalyzer. Uh, .321 is a lot. That is, that is a lot of alcohol. According to Romero's version of events given to law enforcement that night, that altercation began outside and never got physical. He also told officers he did not remember anything, according to the affidavit. Romero will be sentenced on October 28th at the Bonner County Courthouse. All right. Well, it sounds like we've got a case of werewolf, uh, like lycanthropy, like lycan, lycan, lycanthrope is a, is a werewolf, uh, but I can't remember what's the lycanthrope disease. Lycanthropy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong, but that's death. <laughs> Spad's a werewolf, an alcohol fueled werewolf. It's terrible. Okay. Um, moving on Friday, September 23rd, son charged in woman's death. This is also by Daniel Radford. A 57-year-old Arizona man was taken into custody Wednesday by Sandpoint Police in connection to the suspicious death of his 86-year-old mother at the Best Western Edgewater Hotel in downtown Sandpoint. Police were called to the hotel at about 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday regarding the death of an 86-year-old woman. Gerald Eggert, 57, and his mother, Mavis Eggert, 86, had been staying at the hotel for the last few days. A family friend wa uh, was with the Eggerts until about 2 p.m. Wednesday. Around 6 p.m., that friend got what the affidavit describes as a frantic call from Gerald Eggert, wh where he is alleged to have said, quote, I am not that type of person, and, quote, I think I strangled my mom. Yikes. A friend called the police who responded to the hotel and found the woman deceased in her room. They deemed the death to be suspicious and began collecting evidence according to court documents. I would I, I would think so. That would make sense. Bonner County Coroner Robert Beers. Robert Beers? Bob Beers? Bob Beers is the coroner? Come on. Wow, this is a great episode for names. Woo! Bob Beers. Bob Beers and uh, what's Johnson? Uh, the Vigilante by Night. Oh, now I got to scroll up. I'm sorry. We're This is definitely – we're just going off the road. Jason Johnson and Bob Beers. Oh, I feel like they need to be a crime-fighting duo of some kind. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Sorry. Not funny. Murder. Bad. Here we go. Bonnie County Coroner Robert Beers did a preliminary examination and found that the victim had injuries consistent with strangulation, according to court documents. Well, that makes sense with what, what he said over the phone. Officer Michael Arney said in the affidavit that uh, Gerald – Gerald – I keep thinking Gerald from The Witcher. It's not Gerald. Gerald Eggert had several injuries that appeared to be defensive wounds, including wounds to both eyes, his right cheek, and the right side of his neck. Arnie said the defensive wounds, as well as the comment from the witness who alleged they heard Gerald Eggert say he may have strangled his mother, led a decision to arrest the man for the murder of Mavis Eggert. 
Gerald Eggert has been charged with second-degree murder. His initial appearance was Thursday, and his review hearing is scheduled October 19th. As of yet, no plea has been entered. The victim and suspect were both from Arizona in the area visiting friends. Notification of immediate family is underway, and further investigation will be released when notification is complete and an autopsy result are available. Boy, what a situation. Uh, oh, what is what is uh, the word for killing your mom? It's not patricide. Um, matricide? Is that matricide? Matricide. Matricide. There we go. See, I knew that. Obviously. See, words. Words, gang. That's what I work in. I work in words. Not math. Definitely not math. Don't ask me to do any math. All right, moving on. Officers' actions help save suicidal man. This is by Bo White Eagle. As the man held onto the pier, a makeshift noose around his neck, Sandpoint Police Officer Cale White approached and began talking to the distraught man. For over 30 minutes, White talked to the man, working to build a rapport to try and coax him off the pillar behind the uh, Panita Theater and onto a nearby dock lining Sand Creek. The man kept asking White and other first responders to leave so he could kill himself in peace. Yikes. However, while White was unable to convince him to remove the neck, the remove the noose, he was able to persuade him to sit on the dock. White didn't give up, continuing to talk to the man and building enough of a connection with uh, connection that he was able to get close enough to grab the man's legs and support his weight, preventing him from jumping and hanging himself. White continued to hold the man up while other officers were able to cut the noose away. Wednesday, in the, Wednesday the Sandpoint City Council honored White for his actions and presented him two awards for his role in helping him save the man's life. The first award comes as an achievement of hard work, training hours, and meeting specific requirements. The second award comes from the council for his courageous actions. For his completion of 800 training hours, his bachelor's degree, and his tenure of six years active and time in reserves with the department, White received an advanced post-certification presented by Lieutenant Stephen Chamberlain. The award is one of four that a patrol officer can achieve and is the highest. Quote, White has shown that it's not just a piece of paper. He's done more. He's taken on leadership roles as a field training officer. He's all. He's also is a bre- uh, breath-testing specialist, Chamberlain said, uh, for DUIs. In addition, White received a commendation and award of honor from the Sandpoint City Council for his actions in the early morning hours of September 16th that led to the man's rescue. Sandpoint Police Chief Corey Kuhn said he appreciated White's... A- Corey Kuhn? Come on. Th- okay. This is a joke now. Really? Really? Come on. Uh. <laughs> Corey Coon, Bob Beers, and was it Jeremiah? Jo- Jason Johnson. Jason Johnson, Bob Beers, Corey Coon. Come on. This we're we're we're, we're kicking up a super hit. This is the new this is the new uh Avengers Justice League. What a <laughs> Okay, sorry. Uh, it's come on, three names in a row. This that's that's got that's a sign. That's a sign. Come on, people. So, uh, Sandpoint Police Chief Corey Coon said he appreciated White's actions and noted that everyone in his department would do the exact same thing. "Quote: I truly appreciate Officer White," Coon said. "But we have 25 other guys in the same situation. I know that he would do would say the same thing. Anybody else, any one of our officers in that same situation would have on that same mantle and done the exact same things." Well, that's good to hear. Glad that anybody would be committed just as much as Officer White there. And kudos for for doing that. Um, Remember, if you're if you're having suicidal thoughts or something, there's, there's so many resources out there, um, uh, lots lots of alternatives other than that very extreme and final 
option. So uh, if you're if you're really having issues, if you're thinking about that, seek help. There's a lot of resources out there. Uh, you're not alone. And kudos, kudos to Officer White. Watts Appliances is providing comparable customer service to the Silver Valley for over 50 years. The family-owned and operated business has a wealth of knowledge regarding appliances and the brands they sell. Whether you need a new washing machine or have questions about refrigerators, Watts Appliance is ready to help. Visit wattsappliance.com or stop by and visit at 3 North Division Street in Pinehurst. Takes in two Shoshone News Press headlines for Friday, September 23rd. Headline, Kellogg Liquor Store Moves After 50 Years. This is by Molly Roberts. After 50 years of selling spirits from its former location, the Kellogg Liquor Store has moved to a bigger, brighter building. Quote, the biggest reason behind the move was more space, explained Deputy Director of Retail Operations Sally Ray Jones with the Idaho State Liquor Division in an interview with the news press. Quote, when the lease at, the, at one of our other stores expires, we do really good evaluations of the area that we serve. Then we pinpoint where we could best serve that community. The last time the liquor store was moved was in 1972, lasting through many changes to the surrounding businesses in the area, including the closing of the Hallmark Store and Stein's Family Foods. This change allows the store to install new fixtures and lighting, as it's about 1,200 more square feet than the previous building. That's more alcohol. The new location isn't far from the former one, a building that many locals will already be familiar with, the Old Sunnyside Drug. The new store is located at 131 West Karen Avenue, Suite A, in Kellogg, open from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Thursday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m., Friday and Saturday, and noon to 6 p.m. on Sunday. For more information on ISLD, visit liquor.idaho.gov. Please drink responsibly. That is that is accurate, especially with all that expanded stock now at the Kellogg uh, liquor store. There's a lot more, lot more there, so uh, definitely drink, drink responsibly, folks. Moving on, get ready to fall for history. This is by Josh McDonald. We're just a few days from the annual deep dive into the colorful past that is Wallace's Fall for History Festival, and space is getting limited. This, year's fe- this year, the festival is looking at some of the not-so-pretty moments from their beloved town with the theme of Wallace, a checkered past. This will include some of the more notorious events from throughout the former the former Boomtown's legacy, including a comprehensive look at Black Sunday and how it affected everybody in the area. For those who don't remember, Black Sunday is the colloquial name given to June 23, 1991, when more than 150 federal, state, and local law enforcement agents made their way into the Silver Valley and raided every bar from Cataldo to Mullen. The goal was to confiscate and shut down illegal gambling machines in the area. They also made sure that any brothel they encountered was shut down. On that day, more than 200 video video gambling machines were confiscated, along with over half a million dollars in cash, and the two remaining active brothels in Wallace ceased existence. Almost everyone, and particularly the Wallace business scene, was connected in one way or another uh, to the illicit activity that has been raided and attorneys were needed. Reminds me of the – I remember the front page of – I've seen the original one when that happened and there was a fella, uh, the only phone tree in the area and he just – he got a bunch of old old 90s. At the time, this was the 90s. uh, Got some phones with the lines and he, he just wrapped a bunch of phone lines around a tree. He said, this is the only phone tree in the valley. That was pretty clever and a lie, but uh, but <laughs> very clever. This sequence of events is the setting of one of Fall for History's marquee events, a discussion panel with local, local attorneys Mike Brandstetter and Hollis Anderson, both of whom were integral for the defense of the Wallace residents and business owners following the raid. Joining them on the panel will be historian Heather Brandstetter, who will be able to share insights from the perspective of the brothels and how the raid effectively ended a century-old industry in Wallace. 
This year, organizers Janet Filer and Corky Matilla decided to change up a few things. After years of incorporating the popular home tours throughout Wallace, they will now be doing a Skeletons in the Closet building tour, where folks will be taken through Wallace Elks, the Oasis Bordello, the Old Wallace Fire Hall, the Sixth Street Theater, and the Northern Pacific Railroad Depot. Each of these buildings has delicious little tidbits that are relatively unknown, even by the majority of people who still live in the area. The festival kicks off Thursday, September 29th with a social hour reception at the Barnard Stockbridge Museum at 7 p.m. and then runs through Sunday morning. For more information or to purchase tickets to any of the events on the festival's lineup, visit www.wallaceid.fun. F is for frolic through all the flowers. SpongeBob reference. Are you looking to get the word out about your business? The Hagedon Media Group is your full-service digital marketing agency that can make inroads into any market with multiple channels. Website optimization, paid search campaigns, web advertising placements, and traditional advertising methods are all brought to bear as they are needed. Hagedon Media Group's passion for their craft is matched by their passion for detail. Some of their best projects have blended state-of-the-art digital marketing techniques and tactics with visual displays and brilliant website design. For more information on how Hagadon Media can provide effective digital marketing solutions to bring your brand to the forefront via web design, web development, PPC, retargeting, SEO, and print, visit HagadonMedia.com. Moves us to our last headlines of the day from the Bonners Ferry Herald, Thursday, September 22nd, Moye Dam Resurfacing Project Nearly Complete. This is by Emily Bosung. The Moye Dam Spillway Resurfacing Project is nearly complete. Mike Klaus, city engineer, said that the dam, completed in 1948, needed repairs to the face of the structure after 70 years of deterioration. Last fall, projects to resurface the west spillway, west wall, and center wall were completed. In some places, anywhere from six inches to almost a foot and a half of new concrete was removed and replaced on the spillways. Last year, Klaus said crews got to the center of the wall. Now they have turned their efforts to the east side of the spillway. While Klaus said the project was projected to be done in November, he predicts it will be completed ahead of schedule. Demolition of the East Spillway began the first week of August. Klaus believes the resurfacing project will expand the dam's life for at least another 70 years. City Administrator Lisa Alport told the Herald in November of 2021 that repairs to the city-owned dam were needed to keep it operational and for Bonners Ferry to keep its license in good standing with the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. The project was funded by a $4.125 million bond, which passed in May of 2021. The Moye Dam provides 25 to 25 to 30 percent of the overall electricity needed in Bonners Ferry. Klaus said that if the city kept keep the dam operational, then they won't have to purchase power through Bonneville Power Administration. When the bond passed overwhelmingly in support for the improvements of the dam, Klaus told city officials that ratepayers found value in having a dam and working in operational use. Since it's a runoff of a river dam, its production energy waxes and wanes per season. The goal, said Klaus, is to keep the dam operational for the next hundred years. Well, that's awesome. That's good to hear. I find dams fascinating. That might be, I don't know if that's just like a nerd thing where, you know, that the, so it's such a simple concept, blocking water, letting it through, getting power from the water. Um, such a simple thing, yet so ingenious. I'm sure that, you know, the, the power that's going to my mic right now is at least fully or, par- or at least partially uh, coming from hydroelectricity hydro hydroelectric power so uh that's that's cool that's awesome that uh they're they're keeping that up and going up in bonners ferry moving on bonners ferry special olympics takes home big wins this is by emily bosung bonners ferry special olympics athletes took big uh, took home big wins at the idaho state regional bocce ball tournament last weekend the bonners ferry team which had five participants saw Lori vaughn and julie weeble uh, win first place overall mike 
Bjoraker took third place, and Gavin Lee and Charlie Meeker took fifth place. Candace Tweetman, sister of one of the athletes, said onlookers could see the joy on the athletes' faces as they competed. Quote, it's all about the small victories, she said. Special Olympics allows those with intellectual and physical disabilities to participate in athletic competitions with others at their level. The Special Olympics team competes in different sports every season. They move. They will move on to uh, practicing winter sports soon. Bowling season is tentatively this time. Special Olympics is also raffling off tickets for a 2022 Toyota Tacoma. Hey, that's a good truck right there. Each ticket is $10 with $7.50 being donated to the Bonners Ferry Special Olympics team. The remainder will benefit Special Olympics Idaho. Special Olympic participants may, must have a physical or intellectual disability and be 11, uh, 11 or older. If you have a family member that qualifies or wants to purchase a raffle ticket, call John Beck at 208-610-0157 or Candace Tweetman at uh, 928-716-6198. For more information on Special Olympics Idaho, go to www.specialolympics.org programs United States Idaho. Once again, we'd like to thank Hecla Mining Companies for sponsoring this episode. To learn more about Hecla Mining Company, please visit HeclaMining.com. All right, everybody, we have reached the end of our headlines today, getting you out a little faster than normal. But that, hey, that doesn't mean anything. It's 20 minutes less of me rambling. <laughs> I don't ramble. I would never do that. I understand that I kind of am talking to myself as I sit here in front of the mic. But, you know, that's that's part of the job. So nothing wrong with that. Uh, if you guys listen to us on a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, any any of the fun ones, uh, shout out to our Player FM listeners once again. Uh, please subscribe and or like and or follow us and leave a nice review. Uh, that makes me really happy. It makes my boss really happy and it keeps the show going uh, along with advertising. Hey, and if you're interested in advertising, get a hold of me, Chance Watson at C Watson. That's W-A-T-S-O-N at Shoshone. That's S-H-O-S-H-O-N-E. Newspress, N-E-W-S-P-R-E-S-S dot com. And you can acquire. We'll get you on the show. We'll get your word out. I'll say whatever the hell you want me to say. I have said, I have read some great ads before, uh, and it would be very difficult to top a couple of them. Uh, Radio Brewing and Outlaw Outlaw uh, Bar and Grill uh, definitely hold the top spots at the moment uh, for funniest stuff on the show. Uh, if you're interested in the stories we talked about today or the ones we did not, check us out at www.quarterlanepress.com, showshownewspress.com, bonnercountydailyb.com, or the Bonners Ferry Herald.com. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening in. And we'll see ya next week.